The Business Without Boundaries podcast is for multi-passionate entrepreneurs who crave the freedom to create a career in life on their own terms. Because we know that the next best thing to having a business that allows you to work whenever and wherever you want is having a company that rewards you well for your time and talent invested. Hi, Julia. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk about all things branding. Um, Yeah. So for those of you guys don't know, Julia and I both live in South Florida and uh, we've connected at various events. Like, you know, there's things that go on around town and we just kind of pop up at the same things and are now both members of a really awesome women's focused uh, co-working space. So when which the branding and, and just the vision for that space is so well put together and it's attracted some really great members. So in um, brainstorming, our first guest to have here on the Business Without Boundaries podcast, Julie, was top of mind. So uh, Julie, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your story into entrepreneurship? Absolutely. So I think a lot of Similar to a lot of people in my generation, I studied something that I ended up not really using in my career, my ultimate career. I studied biomedical engineering and loved to, to understand how things worked. I loved studying it, but in practice, when you got out of like the textbooks and the equations, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really find it was my passion. Ever since I was a little girl, I would be writing poetry and short stories and one time um, when I wanted to go to this like writing camp, they had a lot of different majors that you could select and writing was one of them. And I begged my parents to, to go into the writing and my parents were like, you know, do something in math and science. That's the direction you're going in your life, you know, as, as if they kind of knew. Um, but I, I actually lied and told them that um, the, the, the science majors had like sold out. So I would just do the creative writing anyway. And I just loved it. So I always knew my passion was writing, but I kind of was confused in the whole college process and selecting a career and wanted to go towards the money, you know, and I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs actually focus on or mistakenly do is that they pursue niches and, and services that they think are going to be well paid versus creating from what they are truly passionate about and then creating that to be well paid. Yes. Yeah. So I worked in the startups. I quickly moved to marketing, which I loved um, in the biomedical space. And then when my startup company was acquired, it was the perfect opportunity to start my own company. So about five years ago, I started my own company, um, creating brands and content strategy and then ultimately niching to Instagram. And I focused on that for about four or five years until I realized that like my true mastery is brand positioning and copywriting. And so over the five years, I continued to hone those skills, but the application, the niche that I ultimately wanted to pursue is helping uh, entrepreneurs to really hone and refine what they, how they say what they do and how they position themselves in the marketplace. And then that informs their website copy, their social strategies, and ultimately all the content that they create and the customers that they, that they attract and work with. So I'm a brand positioning expert and copywriter, and I help my clients to really niche 
in a way that feels good to them, especially if they're multi-passionate. I know your, your audience is so multi-passionate. That's a huge struggle. It's been a big struggle for me. And I've found some really creative ways to incorporate the things that you love into a profitable niche. Yeah, I think the whole concept of niching can be super overwhelming for people because they feel like they have to have it figured all figured out before they've even like tried anything. And they're like, okay, I have to pick an audience and I have to like there's all this pressure to have it all figured out before they've even like, you know, tried and tested and figured out like your journey. You know, you didn't come out of school knowing exactly what you wanted to do. Like you had an idea of your passion and then you kind of, you know, experiment. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's the real journey of an entrepreneur. It's not like having the blueprint and then just following, you know, the checklist. It's, you know, figuring it out, having the ideas and then trying to see how they apply and if they work. Right. I know a lot of brand programs, branding programs, Um, online courses, some of the most famous ones, they always start with the who. Like, who are you targeting? What do they want? What are they looking for? And I think when you're getting started, a better way is to focus on the what. Like, what skills do you have that you can provide a result for? I think a lot of entrepreneurs that are new, they get overwhelmed and think, I need to create this ultimate huge result But if you can create a small result, that is very marketable. You know, for example, when we used to work in Instagram, if you can get someone to 500 followers, that's huge for a startup entrepreneur, you know, and you can charge for that. You don't have to say, well, I'm not getting people to 50,000 followers yet, so I shouldn't even try. The what is going to, is something, is the first thing to refine. And then you can see, wow, this, this what, this thing that I do is really valuable to these industries that I'm passionate about, or maybe even this one industry or this one type of client. So focusing on that what first and refining that and taking, allowing yourself to take a variety of clients, kind of just like you did, Amy, Mm -hmm. um, and then look at those first subset of 10, 20, 50 clients and say, these were the ones that were so smooth. Like I loved the work. Uh, the relationship was amazing. Maybe the budget was there. Maybe the, they, the way that they worked really resonated with you or their message resonated with you. And you can start niching later um, when you have the, that experience. But the first step of niche is what the what and working on that. Yeah, that's kind of been, that has been our approach is to focus on what problem you can solve first and like that at the beginning the problem is your niche like that is the the top of like if it's a, a inverted triangle then the top is like the problem and then as you solve that problem you figure out more and more information about who has this problem who has this problem and the budget to pay to have it fixed who you enjoy working with the most and it goes down until you you do one day have a narrow niche like all the buzzwords tell you to have narrow in narrow in narrow in but it doesn't happen overnight like it is a process so like yeah giving clients or giving anybody small wins is something that you can start to build momentum on and it takes the scariness out of like well I have to choose a niche and I have to pigeonhole myself into this one, you know, subsect of a subsect of, of an industry or whatever it may be. So um, I think that that gives people more permission to be a little bit more messy about how they figure out their niche. Yeah, that can be very freeing. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, 
when business can like, especially being in business by yourself and um, whether you're a solopreneur or leader of a small team, whatever it can be, like it, there's an insecurity that can come up when you're, when you're in experimentation mode, but just realizing like from your story, from my story, um, my background as a freelancer and, you know, basically taking whatever job I could get paid for. Like that's, that's the common story. It's not the common story to have it all figured out. And then, you know, the results come, the results come by figuring it all out. So yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> it's totally, totally not the part that gets publicized on social media or, you know, in success stories, but it's like, we're all in the messy crunches together. That's the reality of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. So, um, so for somebody who is maybe struggling with this whole concept of branding, cause I know a lot of people, when I was doing design, like people like uh, the first thing they said was I need a logo. Like mm -hmm. I have a new company, I have a whatever, like I need a logo. And, and I always tried to encourage them that the logo is not really the brand, like the whole brand. So do you have any advice for somebody who's still trying to figure out what their brand actually is? Yeah, for sure. So when you, the reason that you have a brand is that you're recognizable and so that people can remember who you are. So the first step to a brand is really just deciding, do you want to have a company or do you want to be a personal brand? If you have a specific skill set and you see yourself more as an artist or more as an advisor or somebody that is you, you personally would really like to be well known. Right. I think starting with a personal brand is smart because in industry, people are going to know your name. And that's what you need to be hired and to do better and better, you know, bigger and bigger clients or, or to, you know, charge higher fees is that you need to be well known. Mm -hmm. If you, if you can, and you can always add that layer of a brand name later when you've decided what your niche is. So I would not invest heavily in quote unquote branding when, until you really know, like, this is the area that I am committed to focusing in. I love this clientele. I love this industry. I love this doing this package in this way. That's the time to, okay, 10,000 in your brand, you know, to invest in the high quality logo. I think that actually it's, it's, it's a negative to invest let's say like a hundred bucks and get this like cheapy logo. Um, I can create something just like a, it's called a, a typeface, which means like it's the, the logo is just words mm -hmm. um, in, in a program called Canva. You can pick a cool font. You can buy something from creative market, um, which is creativemarket.com is a place where designers sell like low cost brand assets, imagery, font, stuff like that. You can create something really classic. And I always say like, keep it simple to start. So you're going to, let's say you're just going to go with your name as your initial brand. You're going to be a personal brand. You want that name to have like a branded font, which you can buy for $35, $50 on creative market, type it in, download it as a PNG file, have a good tagline or, or, or like subtext. So for me, it would just be Julie Cabezas, brand positioning expert and copywriter underneath my name. And then having that, and you're, now you're good to go. So this, that's the first visual part. If you want to uh, select some colors, you can go to brandcolors.net, which is a really cool website that shows you like all the famous brand colors from hundreds of brands. 
and you can use those as templates to kind of tweak and refine something or turn something into like a similar color palette, but different. And then you can have five branded matching yeah. colors that you can use very quickly, apply those, and then use high quality imagery. So if that means, and that is actually something that you can get for inexpensive. I do recommend someone starting out professionally to have a professional photo shoot done, but you can really get that done for you really only need like five to eight really good brand images of yourself looking professional that are well lit. You're well styled. You know, if you don't know how to style yourself, just keep it simple. Like wear black or wear jeans and a cute shirt or whatever your brand is, you know, um, get some cool jewelry or like, you know, just like a cool bag or something. You can even use rent the runway if you want to have a nice outfit, but you're going to pay a lot of money. Yeah. Um, or you can, you know, go consignment shopping or something. And really, this is if you're like really just starting out and you don't have your niche, like just put together five to eight great photos. Now you've got website, you've got downloadable imagery and that, and that's that. Right. Yeah. Cause one of the things that we found when we were still doing more uh, operating more as a branding and design web design agency was that, uh, everybody thought that the website, the big fancy website was going to solve all their business problems. And that was the Mm. link to get the clients in. And really like in today's digital space, um, presenting yourself as a professional is important, but when you're just starting out and you're still sorting out like what people are going to hire you for, what you're going to, you know, enjoy doing most. And and like you said, like when you're still experimenting with finding that niche, the big fancy website is not the make it or break it element. So like it's, there's no right focus on that first. Right. Yeah. Just a polished presence and whatever that may look like. I mean, your website can be a landing page with an email sign up and a few like contact details and some, some, you know, basically some services. Exactly. It's going to say like things to entice people to get in touch with you to find out more. And that's where powerful copy, even in small doses, like just a landing page can be really powerful. Um, Right. Yeah. And I know you're, I love your words. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I would say, yeah, the first, that's so, so poignant and true. Like the first, after you've got those basic brand elements, the first true branding is your messaging. So if you have no clients, you might want to do some pro bono work quickly to get some really good testimonials. The foundation of your brand is going to be your messaging and your testimonials. So messaging is a simple one, one to three sentences about what you do. The biggest mistake I see with new entrepreneurs is that they feel since they don't have experience, they don't have credibility. So they're like, well, I do a lot of things. I could do your social and your websites and I can do this and I can do this. And there's, (laughs) it's so like sticky and awkward. So what you want to do is you want to get like one to three sentences for when someone says, what do you do? That it succinctly describes the result. So you could say, I help successful business owners get started online you know, with a website, X, Y, and Z. Um, you could say, I, I create waterfront properties. Like I make waterfront properties look like they belong in architectural digest magazine. So we know you're an interior designer. We know what you do instinctually through that. Yeah. But the more concrete the result is, the better. 
So you want to have a concrete result that you're saying that you help people create. And that line of copy should be right at the top of your landing page or your website. And then below that, you want to focus on explaining what it is that the person is challenged with. So if this is your challenge, then this is how we're going to solve it. And then this is the contact place to find me. And then having those testimonials, like making them very sharp and very simple, like Julie helped me to get my first 1000 followers on Instagram. Julie helped me to earn $5,000 in the first 90 days by getting leads on Instagram. Julie helped me to to set up my website. You know, those things are what people are like, that's what I'm looking for. That's exactly what I want. And where do I, you know, let's like take my credit card. Let's go. Let's get started. Yeah, that's what people care about. So like when people are writing copy, they often think about like they have to explain all these things that they do in order to prove the value. But like nobody reads that. That's like the part of the page that everybody skims through. Like if, you know. Um, so to get down to, okay, what's the juicy bits? Like, that's nice. Here's the how, here's the, you know, the background, whatever, but like, what are the results that I'm going to get? Cause that's what people are, that's, what's going to make them want to invest in working with you is like, what, like they have a pain point. How can this person solve it? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's, that's essentially branding is your message. Your message is what are you promising? What's your brand promise? Like what result are you ultimately promising? Yeah. And if you're like, well, I have no idea what kind of a result I can get, then you can just start with the what, like, you know, yeah. websites, maybe it's websites from $599 for new creative entrepreneurs, you know, and you can keep it broad like that. You're going to deliver a website. So that's your deliverable mm-hmm. and keeping your, keeping your copy very simple. And then on your about page, people do read about pages, I think more than like all the details of the packages and stuff like that. So on your about page, you want to talk about what makes you the right web designer to select or the right interior designer or the right freelance, you know, SEO expert. Um, And that has a lot less, a lot of people write their about pages chronologically And you don't want to do that. You don't want to say, I started as a young girl in Charleston, South Carolina, (laughs) and I went to college here, and then I tried this and this and this, but none of that worked. So then I found website designing, and I loved it. You want to say, you know, I live and breathe web design. I'm such a dork about SEO copy. You know, I on my weekends, I love to read the Wall Street Journal or something like that. Right, right. And explain the details of your life, and then throw in some fun facts about yourself you know, at the end, maybe you can say like, I have, I'm obsessed with like Rottweilers and smoothies and, you know, going to the beach, something light, but you want to get that feel of like, wow, this person loves what they do. They're passionate about it. And they have some, whatever your credibility is, you know, if your degree adds credibility, add that. If you're, if you have some awards, add that on your about page, but just keep it very simple and focused on the, on the customer whenever you're writing your copy. Right. Yeah. Cause I think like, especially in our academic system, like where we're we're taught a certain way to write and communicate and things like that. And copy can be so much more powerful when it's written in that conversational 
style and like you said, focus on the customer and not just like I did this, this, and this, you know, like think about, you know, everybody coming out of college and going for jobs and they're putting, they're literally putting together chronological resumes. And that's how we're taught to think about our experience and how that creates our own value is look, mm -hmm. I, I've done this for this long. I was at this company for X amount of years. Like, but when you start to get out on your own, like that whole chron chron chronology, like chronological <laughs> order, you got it. Doesn't matter as much. Like it's more right. an a, like creating a vibe that people go, oh yes, I like this person. I want to work with them, and I trust that they can help me with this. You know. And, and I'm so glad you said that because like rewriting your story. Like, I feel like sometimes I specialize in entrepreneurs with like peppery past lives, yeah. you know, or very like inconsistent, you know, uh, career paths, because the only thing that matters is the story you tell. So yeah. if you're like, oh, I tried this industry and it didn't work. And I'm so like shameful that I did something that didn't work out for me. Right. You're going to, that's going to come through, but you have the power to rewrite your story. You know, right. if you don't get help with it, because you can turn that into a very exciting story that people love and resonate with. And it can become a point of connection. Like my, I always share my background as being a freelancer. You know, I had with, you know, the slash career. I was artist slash designer slash writer slash whatever anybody would pay me for when I was first like figuring out this freelance world. And that's where people that we work with are. So I share that. It's like, Hey guys, I get it. I've been there. This is how I got myself out of it. And, um, you know, just kind of showing that there's an understanding. Cause sometimes I think there can be a disconnect between like maybe somebody who's positioning themselves as like make six figures your first year, you know, whatever it is, all these buzzwords you see in digital marketing and people that are still struggling with like, I don't even know what I do and where to start. Like that's way far down the pipe dream. They can't even relate to it and it doesn't connect. So like being able to prove that like you're a bit one of them, you're just a couple steps ahead mm. is, a, is more approachable, I think, or can yeah. be. Again, it all depends on how you tell your story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that message that's in branding, that's called your origin story. Mm -hmm. So you want to have something that's like really powerful. Your origin story means how did you get started in this and what does it mean to you? You yeah. know, there's, there's a writer that I love online that she talks about how her mother and her grandmother and all the women in her family, they never had careers and they always struggled financially. Right. And she uses some really poignant like examples of her grandmother recycling like um, the newspapers for the chicken coops and stuff because she didn't want to throw anything away. It's that like old school, you yeah. know, it, it mentality of just like saving and making sure that you're always covered. And she was like, I wanted to break that generational scarcity in my family. And that's what she focuses on. And that origin story like always sticks with me. I'm like, that resonates with me being from uh, a, two immigrant families coming to the United States, one from Ireland, one from Cuba, my grandfather working like three jobs. One is an x-ray tech. My dad ultimately like rising above to go to engineering school and created a great middle-class home for us. And like, we had everything we needed, you know, sometimes the cable would like get shut off or like the lights would get shut off, but by, by no means, like we always had everything we needed. Yeah. And so now it's like, it's, it's my Dharma to like take things to the next level and to create, 
true freedom and generational wealth for my family and for my daughter and to show her that anything's possible. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, each generation building on the last one and like so much of that is, you know, there's mindset, what you believe is possible, what you've seen is possible using those, like an origin story like that is something that people can really connect to on an emotional level. And it's not just like dry tips and and tricks and I did this, that, and the other thing. So that's why I'm fabulous. It's like, look, here's my human side. This is what I overcame. And there's, there, I feel like, you know, people want to be heard. Like, so more so like the person reading the copy is getting the sense that the person who wrote the copy or sh is sharing the story is going to see and understand them too, because they're not so, um, there's not, there's not a barrier between them. Like they've already let down a bit of the, um, the separation by sharing a story that creates such an emotional connection to the reader. Yeah, that's very beautifully said. That's exactly what you're going for. Yeah. And that's, it can be tricky to do. And it's kind of counterintuitive, I feel like, because to write like that, like you really have to write or get into a place where you're not trying to write for a specific outcome. Like you can't write with saying, okay, I want somebody to get to paragraph three and have my emotional connection built so I can switch it to my services. Like you're going to lose it. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's more like if you were sitting in a cafe, you know, as a solo traveler, I'm going to use travel because that's my background, but, and you're telling someone in the cafe, your story of how you ended up there. Like, right. right. You're not, there's no agenda behind it. There's just, here's my story. Let me hear yours. And you know, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. It's, I love your background in travel, by the way. That's oh yeah. You know, that was my, um, that was my curvy path because I started off wanting to be an interior designer and I was looking at all the schools in, in the Northeast, all the big, you know, buzz names. And I ended up going overseas to study instead. Cause I was like, Oh, well, I, an international school will stand out on my resume more when I try to come back and get a job in the States. And then I just, interesting. yeah, I, I fell in love with living overseas. I also had the timing, like the good fortune of, finishing design school right in time for the recession, the big recession of 2008. There were no design jobs. There were no jobs anyways, like in whatever your industry. And so I just stayed overseas and like that just got weaved into my whole identity, which is why now um, like we really use like that drive for freedom is such a common point with the people that we work with because I really understand that craving to be out of a cage which yeah. is, you know, especially living over, I was back and forth between overseas and Florida for almost eight years. And I could really see from an outside perspective, the American culture and the pressure that we put on everybody to get your job, work 80 hours, work your way up. And then for what? And like everybody overseas is like, you guys get two day, two weeks vacation a year. What is that? That's bullshit. I'm like, I know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Like living those two sides of the line. I was like, I, I really want to stay overseas. It's like, I want to keep this, this balance of lifestyle. And now, now that I'm back home and all my international visas are expired. Um, now I see the opportunity in the entrepreneur world for really creating a lifestyle that you love first and foremost before saying like, Oh, you know, the, the busyness of the entrepreneur lifestyle is, is being less glorified. And I think that's a really healthy move for our culture. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you mentioned that. I don't know if this is on our internet, on our uh, interview, like list of things, but when I started my business, I always had that mentality of, 
my life is my business. I will work weekends. I will work nights. I will ignore my family. I will do whatever I need to do. And it was coming from passion. Like I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted this thing to work, but because I had no boundaries, I actually burnt out a couple of times in my path along my path. The most recent one was last year in 2018. And I was doing so much and trying to it really just not having a boundary for myself. Like if I, like, let's say I had an interview pop up in the middle of the week, which was going to push out client work. I'd be like, no problem. I'll do it on Saturday morning. And then ultimately my Saturdays got completely filled. Then my Sundays got completely filled. Yeah. And I was like working like crazy. And I I got to the point where I didn't want to sell anything because I didn't want to do any more work subconsciously almost. Like I just, I was like, I can't imagine having another 90 days like this. So what I did was I had to set real boundaries and I was like, I'm going to work 35 hours a week. And if I can't get my work done in that time, then I'm going to get more strategic and work 35 hours a week. Right. Because to me, it's like, it is, we do this entrepreneur path for the freedom. So if you're like earning, let's say $3,000 a month and you you're working four days a week, but 6,000 <laughs> requires that you work seven days a week. It doesn't make sense. You need to get more strategic and, you know, either increase your prices or tweak your offers because your peace of mind and your like health and vitality is your business. Yeah, so 100%. It, if I can throw that out there, like it's life, work-life balance is is super key to creating a profitable, sustainable business. It's really non-negotiable because I've had the same thing, burnout. Um, and I, I get burned out on social media quite easily. So I try to keep some very intentional boundaries around how much time I'm spending scrolling. And like, I mm-hmm. try not to open any apps, you know, things like that on the sat- Saturday, Sundays, if I can help it, you know, things like that, because it's, it's a fine line between when my brain is fresh and ready to go. And when it's like, all right, we need to take a week off to recover. And like, now it's, you know, you're moving, you feel like you're moving backwards. Cause there's so much pressure into like, you know, to pull it back to branding, but people are like, well, I, I got to figure out my niche so that I can sell more and I can position myself correctly and I can get the right message out. And in order to do that, I need to spend all my time on social media and talking to people and doing this and this and this. And what you're doing is just spinning your wheels and you're not allowing the space for the answers to come to you. I feel mm-hmm. like, because mm-hmm. we have so much, we feel guilty about not burning the midnight oil and, and, you know, go, 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 go all the time and hustle, hustle, hustle. And, um, I think that it's really fantastic that more and more people are becoming more aware of the importance of having a balance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and doing what feels right to you. I mean, if I, I would rather, let's say your minimum expenses are 5,000 a month. I'd rather sell one $5,000 package right. and have lots of time to give great customer service and to create a great result and to be able to take an extra phone call here and there for that client versus selling, what would it be? 10, $500 services that all take way too much time and way too much effort. And you're, you're letting things drop and you're not giving good customer service. So from a brand perspective, you know, the way you position yourself is everything. People will pay whatever you decide that you're worth within reason, I think. And something key to remember is that a, a service is differently valued in different industries. So I love to say like, 
in my example, if I write a website for a, um, a mom and pop like sandwich shop in downtown, yeah. you know, Hollywood, well, their, their monthly income, it might be six, $7,000 a month for all their takeaway, you know, right. whereas I, if I write that same website for a huge company, you know, or even a mid-level company, a really yeah. successful entrepreneur, that website's worth so much more yeah. to that client. So, you know, of course you're going to take some, some work that you need to take, but keep looking at from a brand positioning perspective, who really values this and what do I want to make? Um, and then who, who, who can, who can afford to pay that? Like, who is that like a home run, like a steal of the deal for at that pricing? Yeah. And then keep working toward that client um, with your messaging and your brand positioning so that you can yeah. get to the, to the services that really feel good to you. Yeah. I think the key there too, is like the, really it's the value you're providing, like the, the value that website copy on a midsize or, you know, more successful company versus a mom and pops, like think of the traffic that that website gets and the potential that they have to make more sales versus, mm -hmm. you know, a mom and pop sandwich shop that, it probably just has a website up so people can find directions and look at the menu, you know, right. like that. So it's like, you have to think about the value that you're providing, not the money that you're taking away for those of you who can't see video right. air quotes, taking away um, from whoever your customer is like you're providing. And this is where it comes into belief in what you do. Like you're providing a huge amount of value to those you work with. And if you charge higher prices, you can, provide even more value because you have the time and space to do so. so exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, awesome. So I guess to uh, wrap up a little bit here, like what would be your top three tips on somebody who maybe has been doing some things, has the starts of a website and a social media presence, but is, is feeling like they need to hone in a bit more and refine their brand. Okay. Well, if they are, if they've been doing some things and they have some clientele, the number one thing is to look at what you, what do you enjoy most doing and who do you enjoy most serving and at least create a pathway on your website to speak specifically to that person. Let's just say you love working with lawyers and you just like rock it, you know, law, maybe you have a law background and you've gone into something creative or maybe you just like, love their analytical personalities. So somewhere on that website, you want to have a question like, are you a lawyer? Click here. And you want to have a specific opt-in and an email series follow-up that's going to speak directly to the challenges of the law profession, what they're looking for, have a tone of voice that resonates with them. And if even if it's too scary right now to niche just to that group, you want to have some type of a marketing and brand positioning funnel that's going to speak to that group. And from a branding perspective, I think number, you know, number two is really to have a conversational tone of voice, as you mentioned, when you're writing your copy and really use that conversational tone to speak to those results that we were talking about before. So in that lawyer funnel, as our example, really speaking to what, what um, results have you created for lawyers and getting them out of their shell a little bit, you know, yeah. like, don't be afraid. Don't feel like you have to talk exactly like they do. Um, you could say something like, you know, you are in the office. 
until 10 o'clock at night most days and you haven't been to the gym in five, you know, in five weeks or something. So you can like talk to their personality, but still keep it very conversational. Right. Right. Yeah. And the third tip I would say is to really just focus on infusing the different parts of your personality and your passions into your branding and into all of your copy. So let's say like you, Amy, you've traveled. So you might have, even though you're focusing on business mentorship and business strategy, business growth, you can throw in stories about your travel experiences. You know, you can be like in Marrakesh in the, in the, on the spice market. I had a conversation with this, you know, guy who was like mysterious and you can tell the story and lead it back to your your ultimate takeaway of the brand. Um, if you're multi-passionate and you have different interests, make sure to bring those in. Like, so people can remember you, like that's the copywriter that loves surfing or that's the interior designer with that really cute Cocker Spaniel that's always on her Instagram. So infusing those things and making sure to keep those relevant, like you don't have to let anything go. You just want to create this beautiful cocktail of different influences and things that inspire you. Yeah. So I think that's like not being scared to show yourself like and hide behind like a veil of professionalism, which really just makes everybody appear so vanilla. <laughs> like if we just, there's nothing differentiating if you can't show those pops of personality and the fact that we <laughs> as entrepreneurs get to write our own rules. Like, yeah, talk about the trips you want you've done or the your, your dog, if they're like, you know, your favorite co-working buddy, you know, whatever it may be, that's going to ha- make somebody do a little bit like, yeah, me too. And right. Uh, yeah. Approach it that way. Awesome. Those are fantastic tips. So, um, where can listeners find you, um, on Instagram website, whatnot? Thanks for asking. Um, so they can go to juliecabasis.com forward slash niche. And there's going to be a great opt in there for, um, helping to nail your niche and kind of focus on those, those key what areas and then how you do it. And a lot of juicy things that you can incorporate in your marketing, but juliecabasis.com. And then from there you can find all my social media. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, uh, spend most of my time on Instagram, a little bit on Facebook, but uh, always like connecting with people on social so that like, it just, Makes maintaining relationships so much easier. So yeah. I know. I love it. Often sounds amazing. I'll put links to all of it in the episode show notes. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. This was super fun. Awesome. Cool. All right, everyone. If you enjoyed today's episode, then head on over to the Business Without Boundaries private Facebook group. This is a group that Katie and I created to connect with you, chat with you, answer your questions, and generally foster a community of other multi-passionate entrepreneurs who are getting it done. To join, go to facebook.com forward slash biz, B-I-Z, W-O boundaries, and answer the three questions that pop up when you click on join. And once you're in, then we can continue the conversation and um, get to know you better. We believe 100% in the power of community to connect, collaborate, and grow together. And we so look forward to seeing you there.